Welcome to Orchard's Sunday Morning Podcast. Today's message is brought to you by Melinda Hoyt, Orchard's Children's Ministries Director. Good morning, church. Today is World Communion Sunday, and that has got to be one of my favorite Sundays of the year. So I'm really excited. That it means we are remembering our brothers and sisters and how connected we are to churches all over the place. Sometimes we get so isolated in our wonderful little church right here, and we forget that we are part of this great big movement. Does anybody have any guess as to how long we've been celebrating World Communion Sunday? Those are some good guesses. So the first World Communion Sunday started in one little church in Pennsylvania, Shadyside Presbyterian Church, and it was 1933, and the pastor wanted his congregation to remember their interconnectedness to the churches in their area and beyond, and to the whole world. So the purpose was so that we wouldn't be so isolated in our little congregations, right? But also the point of it being communion reminds us that we are at sort of one big table. You can kind of picture it stretching across the whole wide world. And when we celebrate communion, we have all sorts of different ways of doing that in different churches, right? Some people use bread, and well, we all use bread. Some people use wafers or wine or grape juice. Some churches celebrate communion once a year or quarterly or monthly like we do, or weekly, or even more often than that. We have all different ways of celebrating communion. So the kids have been studying communion, and they know that we use two things when we share this meal together, the bread and the cup. Do you guys remember what they represent? Yes. The bread and the cup represent Jesus' body and his blood that was already shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And the reason that we celebrate communion is because Jesus said to. The Bible tells the story of the night of Jesus' arrest where he was gathered with his friends and he took that bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he told them to take it and eat it. This is his body given for us. And then in the same way he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. And he said, whenever you drink of it, do this in what? Remembrance. So what is it that you think Jesus wanted us to remember? Because he said it twice. After the bread, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And after the juice, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So what is the big question? What is it that Jesus wants us to remember about him. Will you pray with me before we dig into our scripture? Holy and gracious God, we lift up our minds and our hearts to you this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit will meet us in your word. Fill us with a word of hope and wisdom and grace to fill our lives and to to send us out from here closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our scripture this morning, as I read it, I want you to listen for the the phrases that stand out to you. Try to pick one phrase that kind of stands out to you. This is Philippians 
chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. So be listening for those phrases that stand out to you. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. What were the phrases that stood out to you? Anyone willing to share? United with Christ. Humble yourself. It's full of good ones. Verse 2, be like-minded. I don't know what that means. How on earth can we be like-minded? It feels like we are living in a time when we are the most unlike-minded that human beings have ever been. Although Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi, so I have a feeling that the people back then understood what he was talking about too. Being like-minded. How can we be like-minded when we are Democrats and Republicans? When we're homeschool families and public school families. When we're dog people and cat people. In the past few years especially, our communities and our families, our marriages, people are in great rift because of our differences, our different ideas, our different ways of doing things. But God knows that about us. We're different people. We have different experiences and, and ways of relating with each other and different ways of reacting to what happens in the world. So I don't think that's what he meant by being like-minded, that we all have to be the same way. So can we be a congregation following Jesus and be both Democrats and Republicans? Both homeschool families and public school families? both dog people and cat people. <laughs> Don't push it. Can we? 
So how can we be like-minded? What was Paul trying to say? In verse 3, he says, Don't act out of selfish ambition. What? That's who we are. Our culture, who we are in this time and space, we're the most selfish and ambitious people in the whole planet, don't you think? We're focused on getting what we want, on upgrading what we have. How many of you have upgraded a phone or a car or a computer in the last year? Yeah, exactly. We're about upgrading. We want what's best for ourselves. We want what's best for our kids. Our culture is the example of selfish ambition, right? So in preparing to preach on World Communion Sunday, I started thinking about the world and and the places I've been and time that I've spent outside of our country. And I started looking through my photo albums. And I was hit with this picture, pretty much took me to my knees. And I thought of Paul's words, selfish ambition. So I was an American traveler. So I was from LA, I was a college student, from America, I pretty much knew I was like from the epicenter of all things that were cool. (laughs) And I was about to set out on a European trip with some of my friends. And so I did a lot of planning and preparing, which basically meant coordinating outfits and finding really cute luggage. And I got myself and my friends over to Rome. And the day we found ourselves at the Vatican is what was happening in the picture that I saw in my photo album last week. So what was in style when I was in college? Tight, short, fluorescent. (laughs) So I find myself at the Vatican, and I had done all this prepping and planning for the experience that I was going to have, but I didn't do the right kind of research because I showed up to the line to get in to the cathedral. And there was a sign that said you had to have a skirt down to your knees. It took the strangers' jackets from three people, literally begged strangers for jackets, to tie around my waist to make my skirt long enough to get in So my pictures of the day at the Vatican are ridiculous. (laughs) And I didn't even know it, because I was cool. I didn't even consider that I was in someone's church, that there are reasons for the rule. Have you ever stepped into someone else's space and realized you hadn't considered their feelings, their way of doing something. I can't even post the picture, it's that bad. I went to Europe to see the world, but I didn't even consider the people who I was going to see. In verse 3, the next phrase that Paul says here is, do nothing out of vain conceit. So fast forward a few years, and I find myself back in Europe. This time I'm a little bit more mature. I've married Matt, and we are seminarians. And 
we find ourselves in this really awesome opportunity to be part of something called field education, where you train underneath another pastor. And we were so fortunate to get to train under pastors in two little towns in Scotland. And so the purpose of field education is to learn from an experienced pastor. Vain conceit. Here we go. (laughs) So as we get going in ministry, and I'm walking around this little village. We didn't use a car. The pastor and I would walk around this little village from home to home doing the business of the church. There was no office for the church, so if we needed to make a copy of something or run the bulletin, we would go to the Martin's house. If we needed to talk about the upcoming Bible study, we would go to Archie Ware's house. You know, if we were planning uh, the tea, we would go to Jennifer's house. So we were just out doing business, um, church business in people's homes, walking around this village. So after a while of getting to know some of these people um, and seeing what's inside their homes and realizing, wow, these people have kind of modest homes, like one TV. The whole family has to watch the same show. And I started to think about their lives. You know, they close up their shops at around 5 every night. And so maybe that's why they don't have money for more than one TV. I don't know. But after a while of doing this, I sit down with one of the shop owners in his house when I'm there doing church stuff. And I said, hey, have you ever thought about keeping your shop open till like 8 o'clock? Because you can make more money that way. Have you ever thought about opening a skating rink or a a movie theater or a a bowling alley? Because there's nothing for these teenagers to do in the evenings. They're just stuck at home. And this man said, why would I do that? I have everything I want right here. My family is all at home in the evening. None of us have to be anywhere else. We have our dinner together. We watch TV. And here I was thinking that I had these great plans for these people and how they can make their lives better. But also I had some ideas for the pastor. (laughs) What was the purpose of my time there? Yeah. So one day I say to the pastor, have you thought about getting an office at the church? We could turn one of the rooms into an office. You can have a a copy machine. We can have the bulletin run right here at the church. We can have people make appointments and come to meet here with us so we don't have to walk all over town and into people's homes. And this is what he said. He said, I, and that was the way Jesus did it. And thankfully, that cut to my heart. And I had a reset that day that has set the tone for my life of ministry. I, and that's the way Jesus did it? Every day, still, I hear his voice saying, that's the way Jesus did it? And every day, there's something in my life, in my ministry, where I have to go, is that the way Jesus did it? Verse 5 says, in your relationships with one another, that means the church, 
that we are to have the same mindset as Jesus. How do we get ourselves into the mindset of Jesus? How do we have the same mindset given all of our differences? So see this piano. I recently learned that if you take 100 pianos and you tune them to the same tuning fork, they become tuned to one another. How is that? How are those pianos all sounding alike? Because they're all tuned to one tuning fork. And I think that's what Paul was getting at in our scripture this morning. If we all tune ourselves to Jesus, I, then we will be in tune with each other. And we can be Democrats and Republicans and all those things. But we're tuned to Jesus and we're focused on the mindset that he had, which Paul describes, and that's how we become like-minded, having the same love and the same mind. This is what Paul says about Jesus in verse 6 through 8. He humbled himself. He didn't take advantage of his position. He died on the cross for us. This kind of humility and placing value on other people is the way Jesus was. Thinking of their needs before our own needs. That's the way Jesus did it. When Jesus broke bread with his disciples and said, do this and remember him, I think this is what he wants us to remember, how he was. He was humble. He thought of others, and he thought of us so much that he gave himself up for us. The kids of Orchard have been learning about how to tune our lives to Jesus. And by adding these things to our lives to make a rhythm of life that really focuses on Jesus. So we're learning to put worship first on our Sunday mornings. To put prayer as a a special part of our life with Jesus. We're learning about reading the Bible and studying his word. We're going to learn about serving others the way Jesus served. And we're going to learn about fellowship, building friendships with one another to build each other up and encourage each other in Christ. Doing all these things regularly in a, in a rhythm of our lives will help us tune ourselves to who Jesus is and what he wants t- us to remember about him. So that when we argue and and debate, and all those things, if we can have the mindset of Jesus, who thought about others and humbled himself, what change is that going to make in our world? When we remember that we're not just Orchard Community Church, but we're part of a worldwide movement of ministry and, and loving people and reaching out to the world, to our communities, to our our spouses, to our friends at school. That's powerful. Paul says we should do this to have that same mind of Christ so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's our mission. Amen.